I'm here at uh, Austin Game Developers Conference, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm uh, Torvi Franz Olofsson. I'm senior producer of EVE Online. And what's EVE Online about? So EVE Online is a space fighting trading game. It's, uh, it's an MMO. It's been out for six years. It was released by CCP Games, based out of Iceland. We've grown a lot since uh, back in 2003 when we released it. Uh, it's a, it's a quite a successful MMO. Uh, it's uh, subscription-based. We have uh, approximately 300,000 active subscribers at the moment. Uh, we've been growing constantly since uh, 2003, and we have a very strong community and uh, kind of loyal fan base, and uh, we try to be loyal to them. Sure. And how did you how did you grow during that time um, when you first got out? How did you get the word out, and how did you promote your MMO? That, that was actually very interesting. We were, I mean, like I said, we're a small. Uh, well, we were. Now there's about 400 people that work with CCP today. But back then we were a very small studio. We used to run out of an attic in some like house in Reykjavik in Iceland. Nobody knew who we were. Uh, that, that's like when we when I started. It was just seven guys in an attic with a with a dream. And. Uh, we uh, we really capitalized on the fact that we were kind of web savvy and and small and didn't nobody didn't have a publisher and you know we we used very early on in our development so this is before release like in we 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 had a forum up we were really early on we had like pictures of a forum up so there were like massive discussions about what the game should be and what the game should be about on our forums which we really enjoyed and we were like oh maybe we should make it like that and we actually hired people from our forums to come work for us that then like have, uh, some of them are like still working for us uh, so 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 we used the internet of course to promote us uh, then we actually signed on with a with a publisher uh, Simon and Schuster uh, which had an interactive department and published and went and uh, published uh, our product in box that went into stores but as it turned out the, our launch wasn't that successful we we only had around like 20,000 subs uh, subscribers or less and the word wasn't getting out and and nobody I mean I, I traveled the world and I, I couldn't find the box in any store wherever I would go and, and people would be like trying to ask us how can I get your game can I download it no you have to buy the box where can I find the box uh, so eventually uh, we we cancelled the subscription deal with uh, Simon & Schuster and um, started to publish ourselves only digitally so no box more and that's actually when our game took off so so when we were in, in charge of our own destiny something that we were really afraid to do in the beginning and maybe in retrospect we should have done uh, so essentially we ever since uh, then we've done it done that done our thing we, we we do our own marketing we do our own promotion we do our own publishing and uh, we actually did an exception to that last year where we uh, relaunched the box uh, working with Atari uh, which was good it was like getting it back into to into stores and, and we got it to face more customers that some weren't as like web savvy but with an MMO I mean your 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 fan base your customers where are they they are online they are on websites they they know what's going on I mean sure
And see, when you first started out, though, you said you had that forum and people were saying this should be in the game. Did you have a downloadable at that point um, where people could download and play the game or was it more just uh, you were at the design phase? Absolutely not. We only had like a few 10 second long videos of stuff blowing up and flying around and then big words about all the amazing things that were going to happen. But no, we didn't have a downloadable uh, until we were in beta. Uh, but, uh, and when did you get to beta? So you started in 2003. How long did it take to get to beta? No, we started in 99, I think. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I, I think we went in beta like 2002 and we launched in uh, in May 2003. And and so that's when people were posting on the forums, it should have this, it should have that? Or, or I'm trying to clarify because it sounds like... It sounds like you would have a downloadable at that time too, just for people to download and play it, because it would be, it would be easy to download or something else. Uh, no, no, it was just okay. it was just beta, and by the time it beta, we weren't listening to the community anymore because we were in crunch okay. and we didn't hear anyone. We were just 20, working 20 hours a day trying to get this thing done. Uh, but uh, but since then, I mean, we we have a very close relationship with our community. Uh, we hire a lot from our community, a majority, a lot, not the majority, but a large portion of our game designers and programmers and even artists are EVE players that we've gotten to know and uh, people who are really passionate about the game. And that's really great. Because they, they, they come into the company and, and they have both a passion and a vision and often often have contributed a lot to the game, much more than we actually anticipated when we were first designing it. Yeah, I, that's what I've noticed with MMOs is that um, it's for a lot of the stuff it's just better to get players who've already played the game because they're just already motivated for it so there's really no external motivation needed I don't know if that's well you that's have to pay them and feed them sure sure but, um, but they're still going to go above and beyond someone who's just some person you're just going to hire off the street who isn't necessarily even interested in your project well yeah often uh, often but uh, people that haven't played can be excited about the product but, but uh, yeah absolutely it's really and with um, eve like for example when we launched it was 150,000 lines of code sure. today it's around 600,000 lines of code when we launched it was like a, a 500 megabyte download now it's a 2.3 gigabyte download we've, we've, we've really we've kind of taken all of the content all the 3d stuff and we remodeled it we've rewritten like a large portion of the code and and iterated and changed the content so so it it's more like a living entity, you know, yeah. where the cells are just constantly renewing, rather than, you know, there's a piece of software that we made back in 2003 and are just servicing. Uh, let's go back to um, when you said you were finally in charge of your own destiny. Um, how did that feel and what were some of the challenges you guys faced? Because it seems like it's actually worked out much better for you guys because you don't necessarily have to do the revenue split with other people. You don't have to rely on their older marketing techniques as compared to what seems to be working now on the internet. Yeah, I mean, it felt... Totally scary, you know. What the fuck? We can't, we can't do this. We're not big publishers. We don't have massive budgets. We're we're not like a giant. How how will we ever get somebody to listen to us? But 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 the thing is, we are at a juncture in time where where, where mass media and, and and publishing is just changing rapidly year by year, and the, and the large media companies, they they they're like an oil tanker. It's so difficult for them to change direction and to adapt to the environment. But a small, agile company has, has like, uh, is, is like a guerrilla unit. It's much more easier for us to adapt to the environment and change rapidly and, and, and also just to realize what's going on out there. Uh, 
so, so I think that's kind of partly what made us uh, successful. Uh, but, it, but it was really scary. But, but at the same time, every inch of success, you own that inch of success. You, it was, it's like your responsibility, not some other guy in some office in some other company who's making money, but it's yours to like own and be proud of. So, so that's great as well. And um, so when you started putting it online, did you immediately know it was going to be a success in terms of, hey, people are downloading it and playing it? Or did you still have to do anything different to market and promote it? Uh, no, no, I, there, were, there were dim moments. And, and uh, like I said, it wasn't a, it wasn't a massive launch. It was also, I mean, there, was a, there was a rush of people that came in that had been in beta, were really excited. But then pretty much it flatlined and it plateaued and there was like pretty much nothing happening for months and we were really scared. But, then, uh, but once we just started doing our own marketing and, and our publishing, then it actually started taking off again. But, uh, but I think Emma, Eve grew Eve grew like a socialization website grows. It's a, it's a network effect. It was like a, a friend tells a friend who tells a friend and that's, that's how it grew. You know, while you're doing all this, um, you know, World of Warcraft becomes big and some of these other MMOs are coming out and they have new business models, um, but you guys seem to have stuck to just being hardcore and being very focused on, on your vision, not even necessarily going to browser-based games or some of these other things that are kind of picking up. What's your motivation for doing that? And do you even keep up with some of the other things that are happening in the industry or do you just have that primary focus of... You know, just a hardcore game. So as a company, we're also, we're, I mean, we're looking at emerging markets and we're looking at other products, of course, constantly, and, and we're coming out with other products. But Eve, I mean, if you, if, if you compare it to, let's say you compare it to the music industry, some people would like to take a, a young farm girl and uh, train her, like, to be a good singer and teach her a few dance routines and, and write music for her and make her, make her a star, and, and that's cool, and she's going to be a pop icon, and she's going to sell tons of records, but not everybody's into that, yeah. and, 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 and so, so we are, we've never wanted, Eve isn't that particular girl, you know, we are the alternative rock band, and, and we're not going to sell out, so, 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 I mean, we are a, a hardcore game, uh, granted, I think there's a lot of misconceptions though, it, it is more accessible than people think. Uh, it was it was really hard to get into uh, years ago, uh, and, and uh, we still have negative reviews that were written perhaps four years ago, but that's kind of about a totally different product, because it's sure. evolved such a lot, and in particular a new player experience, and we really opened it up, and I think made it much more accessible to people, so, so it's never been easier to start Eve than it has been today. It seems like you guys are focused on quality and um, you know unique execution. Specifically, um, you have a guy who's dedicated to the economy. You have um, you gave a talk last year about um, just running all the players on one server. Um, you know, what's the motivation? What's the culture behind all those decisions? Because I mean, sharding the servers or something else like that would have been. I guess easier. I don't know. I don't know if it is easy to, to run it all on one server. I don't know. It's just stubborn perfectionism. Or I mean, we just do what we think is cool, and I think I, I really enjoy that because we're also making a game that we want to play. Sure. You know, when we add something to the game, that I would, would I want to do this? Do I think this is cool? Does this like amuse me? Am I pleased with it? You know, that, yeah. that's that's what we ask, and and. And, and, and we set these goals because we have really ambitious engineers, we have really amb ambitious artists, and they just want to make cool stuff. Okay. And the other question is, is, you know, you have a space theme, and that appeals to a specific demographic, but 
your your excellence and your perfection could actually work for you know a whole bunch of players outside of that space theme. So why not? change the space theme to something else and apply that perfection. I don't even know if that's your goal. You know, this, the space theme may be perfect for you guys, but that's something that I've seen with a lot of other MMO companies. They're specific on a, they're focused on a specific niche and they may miss out or, then again, they may, they may work. I don't know. Right. Well, like I said, we are developing other products and other games using the same technology and that's actually part of our strategy is that we have a core set of technology that we have developed and, and we made a big effort in, in made, making the technology that we use to build EVE modular so that it can be used, plug-and-play, almost more plug-and-play, but for other games which do not happen in space. Sure. The thing is, when you work on other games, is that going to take away focus from your your current game? I mean, it's it's not, like you said, these games are services, so is it challenging or is it even a risk? Maybe it's worthwhile to just ride EVE all the way out, um, because if you have one successful MMO, that's usually enough. Um, and it seems to be growing. So. Well, yeah, you, you could do that. But uh, we've, we, what we've done is actually grown the teams. So in, in the example of EVE, uh, there's more people working on it now than have ever been. There's more programmers, there's more designers, everybody just explicitly working on EVE, making features, making it cool. So, so, so uh, that's also perhaps different from other MMO developers. They would like they would ramp up at launch, then you know plateau, or, or, or just have a live team running on it, then do expansions, and then a live team. But uh, we, we do expansions, but we're, our expansions are not sold separately. They're just part of it. If, you, if you're a subscriber to Eve, you're going to get the expansion. Uh, so our strategy in, in developing these other IPs is just building teams for that. And. You know, what would you say are the biggest surprises that you've had while you've been through this whole experience of running an MMO? I mean, what are the most compelling or interesting things that have surprised you um, that would be useful for other developers who want to start their own MMO? <laughs> well, personally, for me, the biggest surprise was that at launch it wasn't finished. I was going to take a holiday. But, I mean, when you launch an MMO, that's when the work starts. That's when you start reacting to the hordes of people that are using your software in ways that you didn't even, couldn't even imagine. So, so, so if you are developing an MMO and, you know, you haven't launched it yet, you know, prepare for launch. That's, that's where you, you will separate the men from the boys, so speak. And what are some of the surprising things that your players have done since you've launched? There must have been some things that you could have never anticipated. Um, what, have, what have been interesting things that have been totally memorable that your players have done? I mean, it's, uh, uh, it's been six years running, so there are countless stories. Of course, all these stories about the economy, the, the people that actually started banks within E, totally without any support from us. They're just, you know, borrowing and, and giving money and then running away with the money. Uh, but also, I mean, a lot of cool stories about people that uh, uh, have made lifelong friends, marriages, the, the, the things that happen in a community that, you know, really go much further than the game, just enrich people's lives. And it's really cool that, to have been a facilitator of that happening. And, you know, when you see some of this user behavior that you didn't anticipate on, do you then just actually provide formal structures for that? For example, with the banking and borrowing of money and stuff like that, now do you actually have a formalized structure so that players can do that? Or? No, we don't. And that's the cool thing about it. I mean, uh, that, that, that there is no mom to go to to cry when, when things go bad. Uh, 
it's it's an open open game system. It's a, it's a very open world. Uh, people can do whatever. So so for example, to those banks and those institutions that you mentioned, they were totally player run and player owned, and there was no mechanism in game to support it. They just came up with it, and that's what makes it fragile as well. As well, but that's also what's make it what makes it interesting because then it has to rely on trust. Yeah. You know, we were really inspired by the early days of Ultima Online, uh, where where Ultima was really open and there was a lot of uh, both trust and, and, and good and evil you know they, they were player killers who just randomly ran around and killed people and people hated them yeah. but then you would find players assembling and starting to hunt down these player killers trying to enforce the law in a vigilante kind of way and this wasn't like designed into the system but sure. this was emergent behavior that just emerged if you if you just had a cool mechanism really open mechanism uh, for people to actually create their own stories and, and you know their own emergent uh, you know game and metagame yeah um you know with that said players creating their own stories um now do you create structures or do you try to allow people to create new stories every three or four months you know you know in terms of like giving them new, new items to interact with or new scenarios where they can kind of create stories with other people in the game is that something that you actively engage or is it you still leave it open well, we do we do major modifications or or, or updates to the game every six months, uh, which usually like, provides you with lots of new stuff for game mechanics, etc. Et uh, like in our last expansion, Apocrypha, we introduced the concept of wormholes, really unstable wormholes, physical phenomena that would appear randomly here and there. You would have to scan them down, and they opened up into wormhole space, which is totally lawless, uh, empty region of space. You don't know really where it is, and you pass through the wormhole, and the mo- wormhole actually may shut behind you and you will have to scan down another wormhole in wormhole space and try to find your way out and 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 this has been a massively successful feature but there's also interesting stories about people going into wormhole space and actually just getting stuck there not being able to scan down a hole so so there's like some guy stuck in some solar system has no idea where he is and he's in our forums offering trillions of like of, of in-game currency for anyone who will like come and help him and then actually what we saw were people were forming companies about rescuing people from wormhole space so they would just travel around wormhole space and look for people to rescue and they're like ah oh, are you stuck are you lost can i help you out and this is no way we didn't even like plan for this to happen or design this but we had like companies forming and, and so, so it's really about providing the context where people can get interact with each other and in this case it's the wormhole space or it's some other part of space exactly context uh, some some really clear game mechanics sure. good basic rules and the rest will just follow and um, you know in addition to that do you guys do you guys have any scaling issues as you guys are growing and you're trying to fit it, fit it all on one server I mean what's what and how do you handle that I mean it's been it's been a constant engineering challenge and and uh, the moments of, of our biggest success have been our most difficult moments because uh, we've just you know the server we have we've we like changed every piece of hardware in the server possible. We've we've rewritten the network architecture. We we uh, moved the entire database onto uh, military-grade solid-state hard disks. We get like special export licenses to export them from the U.S. Uh, we we just constantly been like reacting to whatever comes up because this is a very complicated uh, yeah. field of engineering. 
where you actually cannot predict or anticipate what's going to break next. Yeah. Because you, you just you plug all the holes, you fix everything, you do it, you think it's perfect, but then 10,000 extra people show up and it breaks in some weird and imaginable way and you just have to fix that. So uh, not, not to like belittle our engineers, they're a very brilliant group of people and they know what they're doing, but just the sheer complexity of a single shared MMO makes it a constant challenge to, to scale and, and grow. And, um, you know, how do you then handle this whole, the need and the demand to be consistently 24 hours 7 running and then, you know, being able to balance the off time and the time you guys need to, to recuperate and refresh? Um, that's one of the challenges of an MMO and how do you guys address it? You mean for our players to rest? Well, not even, not even for your players, but yeah, that too, but mainly for the developers who have yeah. to um, have some... You know, I guess some rest time. I know you guys are committed to perfection, and at the same time, there's always something that can be improved. And at the same time, you guys need to rest, keep up on stuff. Yeah. So, so when we were developing uh, early, we 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 just crunched like crazy, and and we crunched because we wanted to. And uh, we even had dark periods where the company was almost bankrupt, and we didn't get paid for months, but we still were like crunching and working. So we work. It was, it was really stupid. But <laughs> it got us where we yeah, worked. Yeah. Yes. But uh, uh, we 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 don't do that anymore because we uh, are a mature company, and we are great believers in sustainable pace. We're not. Yeah. We know that you get. You, you that, get that's what I meant. Sustainable yeah, development. Yeah. You get burned out like that. And in terms of covering, because we're on a 24/7 hour uh, service, we uh, we have uh, game masters and support divisions in uh, Reykjavik, in Atlanta, in Germany, and in Shanghai. So they provide round-the-clock coverage for our uh, support architecture. And you know, you mentioned those dark times. What kept you through those dark times? Um, you know, to persist months, even months, without getting paid and stuff like that. It's funny. I mean, we were, like I said, we were just in in, in Reykjavik in Iceland, and yeah. uh, we were pretty much the only games company there. And people would just make fun of us and ask us why why don't we like work in banks like real men? Yeah. And uh, uh, look what happened to them. <laughs> and. Uh, and, and I think it was just, you know, we were just going to show them. We could do it. Uh, at least uh, that, that's what it was for me. I was just going to show them. We can do it. We can do a world-class computer game right here in Reykjavik. With, you know, so it wasn't even just ignoring them. It was actually using their insults as motivation. I mean, that's... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I, I mean, nobody nobody had an idea what we were doing. You couldn't explain it to yeah. anybody. Oh, we're doing an MMO. People don't know what that is. And uh, so, uh, and and so now, what's next in store for Eve? And um, you know, in terms of your company and where things are going and what you guys want to do and any other engineering challenges or feats you're going to attempt now. So, so our our take on Eve is that uh, we want to build it to become the ultimate science fiction simulator that's capable of bringing you every experience that you've ever seen or heard of like in a science fiction movie or, or, a, or a read up in a science fiction book. So there's tons to add to EVE. Uh, on, on, the, on the immediate horizon we are planning to give players the ability to own or manage uh, sections of planets, planetary interaction, uh, to govern over planets and, and develop them and, uh, and manufacture them and, and such. And there's 50,000 planets in the game and, and, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun when uh, people start interacting with those. And then further down the line we are, we are uh, 
planning to allow people to go out of the spaceships and into the space stations, an expression that's codenamed Incarna, or walking in stations, because today you're not, you're only represented as your spaceship and you're ported, you don't have an avatar, and that's going to add a whole new dimension to gameplay. Uh, and that's just for Eve. And then, uh, at the same time, we are we are developing a console title called Dust 514, uh, which was recently announced. Which is set in the Eve universe, okay. and and that actually connects to Eve. The game system of Dust 514 and, and Eve actually connect together, and the, and there's like economic connections between them. So players are going to be interacting between the two games, and that's really cool. And then we have another unannounced product that we're working on. So there's a lot of stuff in store for CCB, and we're hiring. Yes, awesome. And um, you know, in terms of your game, do you have specific guild structures then, or do you just leave that open? Um, uh, to, to make things happen, because I know that you said you wanted to have an open system and be flexible, but do you have guild structures? No, very early on we realized that the guild, uh, the guild structure from other games was very important. So, so we have we call them corporations in each, because they're like set in a kind of capitalistic yeah. fiction universe. Uh, but the corporations are, are, are the glue, pretty much, that holds Eve together. And corporations can be just two guys, or, or it can be a group of 100 people, or two, two or 300 people. And, the, and these corporations then form alliances, and the alliances can be several thousand people strong and, uh, and, uh, and govern pretty much. The and are there classes within, um, within each guild or corporation structure? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You have, you have a, a hierarchy. It's kind of loosely knit, but you have a hierarchy with different permissions and uh, uh, and some corporations sometimes forget to set the permissions correctly, so somebody runs away with all the money. But, uh, oh, but yeah, yeah, there's, uh, there's some system for that. And, uh, and a very good example of that is the alliance system. Uh, there was no alliance system at first, but we noticed that corporations started forming alliances and, and kind of metagaming, and, and we took that, and we took the model that we observed from the player behavior and player community and factored that and, and wrote that into the game. And we've done that on several occasions where we like we take behavior that they're doing out of game, perhaps with out of game tools, yeah. and try to replicate it in game and support it. And you know what? What is the benefit of having an alliance? I mean, have you since you formalized it? Is there any kind of additional in-game benefit that you guys? Yes, for, uh, one one of the benefits is for claiming claiming space. So you can with an alliance, you can actually claim solar systems and own regions of space and and harvest the moons in that in that space and. Uh, and of course, you just claim it. So somebody shows up, and you kill him. And have you made any modifications then to the corporate structure to make sure that it's relevant or interesting? Oh. We haven't made any to make it more social or to make that experience more compelling. Uh, I wouldn't say. I mean, the corporate, uh, the way the corporations are built up, it's pretty much same way as it was from the beginning. We add some features, but basically, it's you know, it's a corporation. There's a CEO. Somebody handles the money, and uh, there's a shared hangar in some space station or multiple space stations, and uh, and uh, you rent an office here and there, and and you then can. You can uh, go to war with other corporations, which is always fun. And any last words then for other indie game developers out there who, um, who want to start out and do their own thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, it's just hard work, you know. And, and it's funny, I keep thinking about it in, 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 in MMOs. When you're like getting stuff and you're getting a sword and a better sword and a, and a better better sword, the last swords that you're like getting, they give you like a one percent advantage or a two percent advantage. You know this? They're like there's a logarithmic follow to the bonuses that weapons give you in, in MMOs. But but that little two percent advantage, that's actually going to determine whether you win or not. Yeah. Like when you're when you're playing.
playing with the big boys or in the end game. I, I, I feel the same applies to game development. That extra percent, like extra 3% of work that you're going to put into your stuff, that extra polish, which a lot of people are going to tell you is not needed, is stupid, nobody's going to see that, it's unnecessary, it's good enough, that's going to determine whether you win or lose. That's going to determine whether the quality of your product is going to exceed your competitors and really kind of uh, be something that people respect and can be passionate about. Thank you very much.